supposed to sing right now? Oh. I thought we talked about something else, but okay. Well, all right, I'll sing a song right here. Um, so this is a song I learned when I was a, I was pretty young when I learned this song. It came out of the Red Mac Hymnal. <laughs> I grew up on that song book. <laughs> so um, even when I would get older, I would uh, break this song out and sing it because it would just make me feel better about life. So anyway, I hope I don't make a mess out of it. Just listen to the words. storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. And when my 
silence stand by me and when I'm growing old and feeble stand by me when I'm growing old and feeble stand by me I'm glad we got a God that will stand with us. Amen. Well, that was, boy, that just, mm. Mm. Well, I'm excited to introduce to you your missionary tonight, Brother Caleb Hewitt, and he has served. I will say this about him, um, and I, I even said to the pastor today, he's one of the most humble men I have ever met. And uh, I love Brother Caleb. He's been faithful. And you, you, uh, come on, Brother Caleb. And uh, you listen to him as he presents what God is doing in his life and in his ministry. Go ahead, brother. Amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you, Pastor, for having us. Thank you, church, for the, the conference. Amen. It's been great thus far. I do believe if I was going to play the piano, I'd play it just like that. Amen. <laughs> Probably why I don't play because I can't play it like that. Amen. Aren't you glad the Lord stands with us this evening? Uh, some of you'll understand there's been times where it just seems like he, where he was the only one that could stand with you, it seems like. Yes, sir. And I tell you, I'm thankful to be serving that God tonight. I'm glad we, we aren't one of those that are just looking for an unknown God. We don't, we don't serve the, the God that just fits the, well, we all serve the same God mold, amen. We don't all serve the same God out in, in the world today. I'm glad we serve God Almighty, the Lord God Jehovah. The one that spoke and, 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 and created everything we see. The one who thought enough of mankind to get down the dust and form man out of the dust of the ground. And then breathe the breath of life into his nostrils and make man a living soul. I'm glad he loved me enough that he sent his only begotten son to die for my sins. So that I could be born again and have new life through him. If you're here and you're not saved tonight, when we put everything else aside. We, if you're lost tonight, God wants to save you. Yes. And it would be a great way to, to get this meeting going tonight. Amen. Amen. Be a high, the highlight of the missions conference to see a sinner get born again. Amen. That's what, that's what missions is all about tonight. Amen. And I told you I, I would break a pulpit there. I go hitting it already by accident. Amen. I, I'm scared. I, I'm, I'm scared of this pulpit, just to be honest with you. So I'm, I'm being real careful with it. But, but no, my name is Brother Caleb Hewitt. And you, as you can see, my beautiful family there, my wife Deanna, our children, Braylon, Elijah, Emmett, and Dakota, and they are all up, or Dakota and Emmett, I got those two mixed up there, but uh, they're all up in North Dakota right now and uh, wish they could be here. They're probably watching, so uh, I know she watched service last night. And so we are, we've been working out west since 2012. Uh, November will be 
uh, 10 years since we surrendered to missions. We worked in missions helps, and in the last four years have been serving in North Dakota as missionary pastor of the Pleasant Valley Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. And within the last three weeks, God has said, hey, you're going to missions helps again. I said, okay, all right. Wouldn't expect that. Been kind of putting, uh, Lord had been kind of dealing with me about it for, for months now, and I kept saying, no, Lord, no, surely not. No, that's just me. That's just my, my discouragement. That's just this or that. But the Lord made it evidently clear that this is the direction he's wanting us to go. So that's why we don't have prayer cards, why I don't have a uh, display yet, don't have a video or anything. We, we've not had time to get that done, and I apologize, and I will get you some prayer cards as soon as we get them, brother. But, uh, uh, but so uh, our burden has been for years just to see churches started in the, in the western side of the United States, not only to see churches started, but to see churches continue. How many of you find joy in hearing about a missionary that came home off the field because of discouragement or lack of health or anything like that? That breaks my heart to hear it. We hear that far too often. That's why the western side of this U.S. Uh, is known as a missionary graveyard. You get to talking to missionaries out in the western side of the United States, and one of the first things they say that they have need of is health. Is health. Uh, the, the winters are long. The, the, the days in the summertime are long. Amen. The days in the, the wintertime are short. Uh, and the work is great. The people are, are different. Amen. Uh, and not everybody, I, I think it's something about the sweet tea and the cornbread and all that that we've grown up on down here that just makes people happier. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'll just say that. Amen. And uh, when I got to Minnesota uh, years ago, I discovered this thing called lutefisk. Y'all ever heard of that? It's something the Norwegians discovered by accident when they were hiding their fish from the bandits that were stealing all their food. And they would hide their fish in buckets of lye. And they figured out you could still eat it, even though it came out looking like some kind of weird jello, amen? And the uh, nastiest smelling stuff I'd ever been around. But anyhow, but no, I don't know what that's got to do with anything, but <laughs> there it is, amen? But no, so God's burdened our heart. We want to be someone that can go and go with the missionary. The Blue family, they, we heard from them last night, and they're going up to uh, uh, Ponderay, Idaho, and a beautiful country up there, but uh, there's bears up there, amen? The people are difficult up there. It's a... Uh, uh, it's not not Georgia, amen, and might as well be a, a foreign country, amen, but uh, uh, we want to be, our family's got a desire to be someone that can go with these missionary families, these church planters, and go and not just spend a couple weeks at a time, but three to six months at a time with these families, be there to help them get a work established, uh, help them uh, with getting into a building and, and a place to live, even from the missionary family themselves, be someone there that if they have vehicle troubles, and, and after deputation, you're going to have vehicle troubles, amen, uh, God's given me, uh, like Brother uh, Nathan calls me, a jack of all trades, master of none, amen, and uh, so we want to be someone that can go and just help take some of the burden of everyday life and everyday ministry off these families as they're getting settled in and continuing the work, not only go with them in the startup, but be someone that can go around from time to time and, and be some relief to the missionary, be some someone that... Uh, if nothing else, be someone that they can trust their kids with enough to go out on a date for a Friday night or something like that. Uh, just from being in the, up there for the past four years in North Dakota, my mother is up there right now helping my wife packing up our house and all as we're getting ready to move into an RV and a trailer when the Lord gives it to us. Amen. So y'all please help us pray because in about two weeks we'll probably be homeless. And uh, so we need a we need a motor home, a 24 foot enclosed trailer, and and we need to get on the road, amen. And so y'all help us make that a matter of prayer, amen. 
man. But, uh, but my mother's up there right now. She's going to watch our kids when I get back to uh, North Dakota. Me and my wife's going on a date. Praise God. That's been like two years since we've done that. <laughs> and so uh, y'all pray for us. Amen. I, but, but no, we just want to be someone there to help encourage the missionary, to provide relief when needed. Uh, uh, if the missionary has uh, things come up. Amen. I wish that the life of a pastor, the life of a missionary was without problems, without, without sickness, was without uh, 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 getting tired and just needing a break. But we, brother, we're, we're, we're made out of flesh, aren't we? we we wear out, we get tired, we uh, we bog down, we need a break from time to time. And when you're out west, you don't always have the ability to take a break when you need to take a break. And that burnout factor, I believe, is one thing that uh, causes so many missionaries to quit. They get up there and they labor and they toil and they struggle and they fuss and they fight and they go and they pray and they uh, minister. And it just seems like they never get anywhere. And then they get burnt out. And when all, all it would have took is just a little bit of time to step away, clear their mind refresh their bodies, spend some time with their family, and get back to the work, and they could have kept going another while longer. And we want to be able to be, be that help. And so y'all please pray for us. We are getting ready to start up full-time deputation again. And uh, I, I wanted to share this verse with you. I was praying about this and wanting to make sure this was really God's will before we step back into this role of missions helps. And, and um, I said, Lord, I, I see you. You're leading me. I, I feel like this is the right direction. I believe this is right. But Lord, just... Give me some, something in the scriptures to prove this to me. And, and I don't always ask for a verse, but God gave me multiple ones. But this one in particular stuck out to me. And it's uh, Acts chapter 16, verse number 9. says, A vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia. What about that man of Macedonia? Amen. <laughs> Anyhow. And prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Yep. And the cry from the west, from every missionary you talk to, I believe, out west, the cry is going to be, Come over and help us. Come over and help us. And that's what we want to do is we want to be someone to load up, come over, be self-contained and not be a burden at all on that missionary and just go and be able to be a help and be a blessing to them in the work. So y'all please pray for the Hewitt family. Uh, like I said, we're in the process of getting moved out of our house, getting it up for sale, getting into a motor home when the Lord gives it to us. And uh, uh, the 24-foot trailer, you say, brother, that's a little bit extravagant to pull behind a motor home. Well, we'll haul our family vehicle in there plus a workshop where I'll be able to uh, work out of to help with the, both the, not only the spiritual but the physical needs of the ministry as well while we're there with those missionaries. So if y'all would please help us pray about those needs, I would greatly appreciate it. And thank you, preacher, for letting us come. So, uh, you, you've not started deputation for this particular ministry yet? No, sir. This is my first deputation trip away for this particular ministry. Okay. Yes. Uh, are you supported right now? We've got about 30% of our needed support, and so I've been bivocational the whole time I've been on the field. Did you hear that? He's been bivocational, uh, preaching five times a week at two different churches and working two to three jobs on the side yep. to make his bills. Yes, sir. Um, that 30%, is it going to go with you? Yes, sir. I hope most of it travels. You, if not you all feel pretty good about it? I think so. Okay, so we'll you're find out when the prayer letter hits soon. <laughs> <laughs> so you think you're around 30%. Yes, sir. Okay, and, and what's your, your goal? What's your desire to be turned loose and, and do a ministry? Well, 100% would be nice, but if, if we could... I'll be honest, as we're going, raising support, we'll be doing the work throughout the time. But once we hit that 50% mark, we'll be able to focus some more on being able to get away, I do believe. Okay, but, so uh, when, you're, when you're outfitted, you're going to go ahead and start doing missionary helps. Yes, sir. As we go around, I mean, there's always mechanic work to be done or projects need working on, things like that. So we can do that as we're raising support. Okay. And so, but, but that 75 to 
90% goal would get us to where we could be a much greater blessing and uh, like show up at your house, your car's broke down, I could go get the parts and come fix it and then you like a missionary not have to touch it. Right. Okay. And you've been on the field since 12? Yes, sir. And you've been fully supportive how many times? Never. Never. You're still there? Yes, sir. I like it. Isn't that good? My. Tough and uh, humble too and I appreciate that. Uh, so we're going to give you the same thing. We've got your bag's not, or your wife. Oh, my goodness, your wife is not with you, so this bag is for her. Uh, Grace is alive. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, she probably heard you say that. So. so don't eat all that candy before you get home, okay? Well, it's not going to fit on the plane, so it has to go somewhere. <laughs> all right, and then and same as last, that'll give you about 10 months of support from us. And, uh, and hopefully it'll help you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank, thank you, God church. Bless you. God bless you. Let's open our Bibles, the book of Psalms, Psalms 126. Psalms 126. I've had people ask me, Brother Saunders, living in that, that uh, motorhome, it must be a life of luxury. <laughs> I usually tell them, well, it's 35 feet in length. There's five of us. You do the math. That's seven feet per person. You want to switch? We can switch. You want to. Typically, they say, no, sir, Brother Saunders. It's amazing. When one of your kids get in trouble, you say, go to your room. They're already there. Amen? <laughs> Psalms 126. This has probably been one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And it has helped me. And I, I love the simplicity of the Bible. And I love whenever I find the outline already there. Look with me here in Psalms 126. The Bible says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth and bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Look with me here in verse 1. This is where we'll take our text. The Bible says, When the Lord turned again. I want to preach on this thought. Lord, will you move again? Lord, will you move again? Again, let's pray together. Lord, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for today. Lord, it's been a good day. Lord, it's been an incredible time. Lord, spending some time, Lord, talking to you among the soldiers, Lord, of the cross. Lord, as we gathered ourselves together, Lord, with those pastors and, Lord, being able to, to lay our petitions at your feet. Lord, I pray, dear God, Lord, for those pastors. God, I thank you, Lord, for their vision. Lord, and their willingness to stay and pastor those churches. God, I pray, Lord, may you give them fruit for their hire. Lord, labor, Lord, their labor of love. Lord, I pray, dear God, may you use those pastors. Lord, some of those men, Lord, I've known since I was a little boy. Lord, some of them I got to meet for the very first time. Lord, how my heart was so encouraged. And then, Lord, to be back tonight. And Lord, just to gather, Lord, with the brethren. And Lord, to lift up our voices in song and adoration. Lord, to hear the choir sing and the Lord didn't to hear Miss Robin sing that song. Oh, Lord, how good it is, Lord, to know the fact that, Lord, you stand by us. Lord, even in the good times, but, Lord, even in the bad. And, 
Lord, in the trials and the tribulations. And Lord, I pray, dear God, Lord, for these days to come. Lord, I pray, Lord, may you show yourself real. Lord, I pray, dear God, in the service tonight, Lord, will you show up and do something great. Lord, within our hearts, Lord, within this message, Lord, we are looking to you. Lord, we know where our help cometh from. Lord, we know it comes from above. And I pray, Lord, this, this evening, Lord, will you please come and meet with us. Lord, we ask, Lord, will you move again. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. There are times throughout the Bible that we see that the Lord will move. The Bible says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. We were like them that dream. I want you to know something about Israel. Israel was notorious for sinning against God. And when they would sin against God, God would use other nations to judge them. And then they would cry out to God. God would hear their cry, be merciful to them. And then they would live a life of blessing for a while, but leave it to humans. What would they do? They'd turn right back around and go to the sin that they had just left before. And it would happen over and over and over again. There are times throughout the Bible that we see that God has moved. My mind goes to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings in chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the faces of the water. I think about Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve had sinned, in the garden, the Bible says in verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. I think my mind goes back to Noah and Enoch, how the Bible says that they walked with God. I think about Christ in the New Testament when he saw them as sheep having no shepherd. The Bible says that he was moved with compassion. Now you need to understand something about me. I'm a third generation missionary. My grandfather was a missionary to the Jews. My grandfather fought in World War II. My grandfather's told me stories where he's pulled prisoners, uh, Jews, out of concentration camps. And when the war was over with, my, my grandpa moved back to the States after the war was done. And he and my grandmother got married and God called my grandfather to go and labor with the Jews. Now my grandfather had no idea where he was going at that time. And when you know it, he met a Jew. And he asked him, he says, I, God's called me to reach your people. Where can I find some? He says, you got to go to Miami, Florida. Hallelujah. Amen. There he started two churches. When my grandfather was getting older and he had already retired and moved back to North Carolina where he was from, there were times that my, I'd see my grandpa get excited. Now let me, tell, let me go and just say something. In any service, when you hear a preacher say, how many of y'all can't wait to hear that trumpet sound? Amen. Boy, it gets excited in that place. Amen. I'm looking to his coming. Amen. I don't know about you. Hey, listen, there's, there's nothing to stop that trumpet sounding. In fact, to be honest with you, we're probably closer now than we've ever been before. But there were times I'd see my grandpa get excited. And I'd say, why, why grandpa? Boy, he'd talk about different things. He'd talk about the red heifer and how that red heifer was used to, the ashes of that red heifer were used to cleanse the temple. And, 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 and I mean, I'd get excited. I'd say, well, what about that? He says, well, they've already got the red heifer. I'm like, praise God. Then there's other times he, I, I'd seen him get excited. And I'll never forget there was a time where my dad saw him get really excited. And, 
And, and, and so my dad was asking, Dad, well, why are you so excited? He said, I have heard. He said, for years, for years, there's never been a heart maker in Israel. He, and I, my, my dad's like, well, what's so significant about that? He said, because in Solomon's temple, David loved the harp. And there was a harp orchestra that played in the temple. And he said when the temples were destroyed, of course the choir, that, that, that whole choir of harps was destroyed. And my grandpa got so excited, he said, there's a harp maker back in Israel. He's made all the harps. Oh, boy, I mean, he just gets excited. You say, well, what does that have to do with us? Because, see, when that trumpet sounds and that tribulation starts... You know what? That's Israel's second chance for God to get their attention. They're going to try and rebuild that temple again. By the way, all the Levi priests already got all their robes ready. And they're in training. But if God tarries His coming, that could happen. I, I don't want it to happen. I really want the Lord to come back. But if He tarries His coming, I don't know about you, but I want to see God move again. I want to see God move again. Right here in the United States of America. You know what I want to see? I want to see, first of all, right here in our chapter, the Bible says in verse 1, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. You know what I wrote right above that verse? Revival. I want to see a great awakening once again in this country. I want to see God move once again. I want to see sinners walk down to an old-fashioned altar and be gloriously saved. I want to see homes restored. I want to see those, those bars shut down. I want to see towns come out to the house of God once again. I want to see God move. Oh, boy, I love reading about revivals. In the 1700s, there was a great revival that took place right here in the United States of America. It was known as the Great Awakening. You may have heard some of these individuals that God used in a mighty way. These weren't special men. They weren't great men of God. They were just men of the great God, one of which was George Whitfield. George Whitfield was a, a burly man. He, he had a big chest, and they say if you lined up a hundred men, no sound equipment, the man, hundred men in the very back could hear George Whitfield preaching just as loud, or if not louder, than the guy standing in the front of him. Amen? And George Whitfield would preach. Thousands would come out to hear. People would trust Christ as their Savior. You say, but how could God, he must have been something great. No, to be honest with you, he was cross-eyed. Do you know how hard it would be to listen to somebody preach and their eyes are crossed like this? Boy, it'd be a distraction, wouldn't it? But can I tell you something? They, they said that George Whitfield was the modern-day Jeremiah. The, the Bible describes Jeremiah as the weeping prophet. George Whitfield would stand there with tears rolling down his cheeks and preach hell hot and heaven sweet. And God would move on that place and people would be gloriously saved. I, I want to see God use our young men like that today. I want to see God. And there was another man. This man wasn't, he wasn't much of anything, to be honest with you. He was kind of a dry preacher. George Whitfield was loud and boisterous, and he would weep profusely and wave his arms like a wild thing. But David 
people different. In fact, they said that they would put a desk on the platform. And, and that preacher would read his message verbatim. Now, I don't have a great voice. I love your pastor's voice. Boy, I wish I had that growl in mind. Amen? Or Dr. Deem's got the same voice. I think they're drinking the same water. Amen? At least George Whitfield's voice would go up and down, and I—I I mean, you know, I mean, he would. People would listen to him. But the other one, he was monotoned. That means his voice never changed. He would read his message verbatim. His message was this: "Sinners in the hands of an angry God." They said that God used that message in such a way that the lamppost outside the house of God, people would be walking by it. They would hear that man of God preach. And as he's preaching, God would move upon that place, not just with inside the walls of that church, but even outside. And sinners would literally grab a hold of the lamppost in fear that the ground would open up and that hell would swallow them whole. I want to see God. Listen, we talk about missions. We talk about our country. We talk about these men and their ministries. They're willing to go. They have a calling upon their lives. Your pastor has a calling upon his life. And we will preach the Word of God. But can I tell you something? Without the Lord, it's all in vain. And I want to see God move. Revival. If you haven't figured it out yet, Israel is the greatest nation on earth. I love Israel. But as far as I'm concerned, put Israel aside, the United States of America, as far as I'm concerned, is still the greatest nation on earth. And I am very proud to be an American. But I am embarrassed and ashamed of what our country has become. We used to be the powerhouse that produced more missionaries, more pastors, more evangelists than any other country. We're no longer there. I'm sorry. By the way, other countries are now sending their missionaries. Get this now, you ready? to the United States of America. How sad is that? You see, what happened? Just like Israel, we have fallen for the things of this world. We have sinned greatly. As Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. We have forsaken our God. Well, listen, we got him... We, listen, we, we, we say it on our, on our dollar bills. In God we trust. I, I think we've lost sight of that. Where the house of God was prominent place to be at on Sunday. Now there are other places to be at. God help us. Do we truly want 
revival. Okay, you say, Brother Saunders, but I, I want revival. You know what it's going to take? Some people at Houston Baptist Church, they'll fall down before an almighty God and say, God, I want revival, not just in my church, not just in my family, but Lord, will it start right here in my heart? God, I'm begging you. Lord, I want revival and I want to see you move. And Lord, you're moving my heart even tonight. That's what we need. Listen, if, we, if it's ever going to make a difference, that's what we need. You say, if our church is ever going to grow, that's what we need. That's what we need. Oh God, may revival start right here. So well, how does that happen? Oh, I think about Isaiah. Listen, hey, as far as Isaiah was concerned, the country had fallen apart. His king had died. And all of a sudden, the king of glory shows up. He said, I saw him high, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And listen, when you read that word train, it's not choo-choo. Oh no. They say greater the royalty, the longer that train, that robe. And Isaiah said, and his train filled the temple. What happened to Isaiah? He said, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah got his life right with God. When Isaiah got his life right with God, what happened next? The Lord said, who will go for us? Y'all ever read that? Well, who in the world's us? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Right in the Old Testament. Amen. Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. Send me. Revival. Oh, I want to see God move. As my eyes are cast upon the Word of God and I begin to look again, I read it here in verse 2. The Bible says, Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. Oh, and by the way, Houston Baptist Church, I'm here to tell you, the world is constantly looking at Houston Baptist Church. You know what the world's saying? Man, God's done some great things for them. Think about where you came from. <laughs> yeah, I remember those days, amen, what a storefront looks like. Yeah. Boy, now look at it now. Mm. And then I saw the plans out there. Hallelujah. Man, a church has got a vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. I will not only tell you that they, 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 they watch you. They, they know when your car is here and when it's... Not here. Well, I bet some of them drove by tonight and said, Oh, man, wonder what they got going on over there. Wonder what's happening. Hey, man, listen, is next Sunday is Big Attendance Sunday? I say pack it out, amen. I say stack them and pack them in here like sardines. Yeah. You say, what for? Boy, I'm going to see somebody get saved. Well, that's what I've been praying for for you. Boy, I want to see some more souls come down to the altar. Boy, they heard the gospel for the first time. Boy, that's what I'm praying for, that their hearts are already softened to the tender, to the voice of God, and to the preaching of God's Word. The results. You know, they always say the, the results are in the pudding. You, you ever had fake banana pudding? There's a difference, isn't there, between the real thing and the fake thing? Well, I'm preaching good tonight. Amen. 
Hey, listen, you know what they need? They need to see at Houston Baptist Church, the real McCoy. One of our missionaries, his name is Chris Rogers. Chris Rogers is in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. One of the men of his church, he, he sat there as he heard his pastor preach and just... I mean, just burden the people, uh, talking about, hey, how we need to reach our loved ones with the gospel. And, and, and I mean, he's, boy, he's just pouring it out there and how, how we need to reach this world and, and, and what we need to tell others. Time is of the essence. And I mean, he's just preaching away. And boy, God's speaking to that man's heart. After the service, he came to his pastor. He said, Pastor Rogers, he said, I, I, I feel God doing something in my heart. I'm so burdened for some of my family members. And I mean, the man's standing there weeping. Brother Rogers is like, well, well, let's go visit them. He said, no, 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 Pastor, you don't understand. My family members are in Mexico. He said, oh, okay. He said, I'm, I'm going to do, do a trip down there. I'm going to go see my family. He said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about taking my guitar, and I think I may just go on the, the town square there and, and sing. Well, see, here's the thing. Everybody there in Mexico in that one little town, they didn't know that man. He was the town drunk. That's all they've ever known of him. Guess who shows up with the power of God upon his life? He's not a preacher. He's just the everyday individual just like you and your church. But boy, he's got something that's burdened within his heart, and that's to share with his friends and his family members the gospel. And he got out there on that, on that town square, and he began to play his guitar and He'd yell out, this is who I once was, and this is who I am today. And people would gather around, and they'd hear him sing, and he'd give his testimony. And many of them would say, I, I want what he has. I want what he has. And boy, he'd open the Word of God and share Christ with them. You know what they saw? They saw the results in his life. And boy, they figured out, boy, he's got something different that I ain't got, and I want what he has. And boy, he began to lead them to Christ. And Next thing Brother Rogers knows, he's getting a phone call from Mexico. Pastor, what are we going to do? we got all these people that are trusting Christ and they got no church. Brother Rogers says, you're right. we got to start a church in Mexico. They started praying and God brought in a missionary. And guess what? There's a church there already with a national pastor. No, that gathering of people, they're, they're now assembled together. And guess what? Now many of them are going out. And they're coming back telling their national pastor, preacher, our family members, they're lost. We've already, or we're starting to win some of them. You think we can start a church just like the dear brother did one here? It's the results. It's when it happens when, when God moves. When God moves, the results. Here's something else. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Not only do I see revival, when God moves, there's revival. When God moves, there's results. Number three, there's a reaping. There's a reaping. Look with me in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Now keep your place in Psalms 126, but look with me in Matthew chapter 9. Very familiar verse. I imagine that many of y'all have seen these verses before in verse 35. Can I tell you what our missionaries are going to do? In fact, they're doing it a lot already. Many of us will say our goodbyes at the end of come Wednesday. I'm heading to Florida. 
You're heading to? You're heading to? You say, what are you going to do? Here it is. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Of course, we're not going to do the latter part, amen. Healing this, every sickness and every disease among the people. But I can say this, they do have a disease, it's called sin. Give them Jesus, amen. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Boy, I'm grateful it doesn't say that to be a laborer you have to be a preacher. But to be a laborer you have to be a pastor or an evangelist. See, what does that mean? It means each and every one of you can be involved in this. Oh, yes. From the ladies' meeting. Hallelujah. I heard y'all had a good crowd. Amen. To the Sunday school class. I was in Brother Dean's Sunday school class. I don't know how long ago that was, but I think he had a whole lot more people in there last Sunday than he did the last time I was in there. It just continues to grow. Knocking on doors. Hi, we're from Houston Baptist Church. Why, well, I'd love for you to be my honored guest. Why don't you come? My pastor said he'll take you out to eat after the service. Hey, man. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Well, there's a harvest to be reaped. I, I want to share this with you. My, I was sharing this with Pastor Sexton today. You know, one of the greatest mission fields is your children. Growing up in a pastor's home, you hear the gospel all the time. Oh, and by the way, I want to say this. Pastor's kids, missionaries' kids, evangelist kids, and the deacon's kids, they're not perfect. Please don't expect them to be. Please don't expect them to be. Yes, we all live in greenhouses, but don't expect them to be. They're boys are going to be boys. I mean, listen, it was nothing for me to go outside and see a bunch of preacher's kids fighting in the church parking lot. See, that's horrible. Whose children are these? They're the pastor's kids. Oh, that, that, that means everything. Amen. Yeah. They're just boys. I mean, you guys remember what it was like when you was a kid. Amen. Yeah. Can I say just because they're born in a pastor's home doesn't mean that they're saved. In fact, to be honest with you, they're just dirty, rotten sinners just like the rest of us. I have three children. They're all getting older now. Luke is 17. Oh, yeah. I have people ask me, they said, Brother Saunders. I've even had people, we walk into a church, and they look at my son, and they say, Brother Saunders, we're so glad you're here. We're looking forward to the message this morning. And my son's going, I, 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 uh, you're talking about my dad. It's not me. I'm grateful for my children. Luke trusted Christ at a young age. Leah, my daughter, trusted Christ at a young age. 
My middle son, Logan, he made a profession when he was younger. But my wife and I never saw the evidence of it. One of the greatest mission fields, especially for the burden of a pastor or missionary, is for their children. Boy, heaven's a great place, but I don't want to go there by myself. Boy, I want it to be a family reunion for my wife and I, my oldest son, Luke, and Leah. But then there's Logan. Last year, Logan's 15. By the way, moms and daddies, don't stop praying. Grandma and grandpa, don't stop praying for your grandkids and kids. Beg God for them. We're in a revival. Bobby Barnes, best way I could describe it, he's a preaching leprechaun. Am I right? That's what comes to my mind. He knows who I'm talking. He's a short little guy about this big. And he's a firecracker. He don't stand still at all. I mean, he preaches like a wild thing. Boy, I mean, he's preaching hell hot. And I'm watching Logan sit down there with all the teenagers. And he's, he is squirming like a worm on a hook. My wife and I are sitting back there just squalling, begging God, Lord, please save our son. That was on a Friday night, Saturday night. You know, conviction really sets in when your 15-year-old comes and climbs in bed with you at 1 o'clock in the morning. I said, buddy, are you okay? He goes, Daddy, I just don't know. I said, son, either you're, you know that you're on your way to heaven or you don't. We had a word of prayer that night. I'm not going to push him into anything. By the way, that's the best thing to do. So he went on back to bed, and we did too. Sunday morning rolls around. I'm thinking, man, my pastor's going to preach. Boy, I'm praying that God moves and Sunday, Sunday school sets in. And my pastor says, anybody got a word of testimony? We just went through a whole three weeks of revival. Yeah, they're going to testify. But, I mean, they're popping up like popcorn. It goes right on into the Sunday morning service. And I'm thinking, surely pastor's going to preach. And there's Logan down there, buddy. I mean, he's still squirming like a worm on a hook. Kelly and I are back there still once again squalling. I, we were supposed to be somewhere that Sunday night. I called up the preacher. I said, my son's under heavy conviction. I really don't know what to do. He said, Brother Saunders, you might as well just take him right back there. Maybe God will do something within his heart tonight. And I'll be praying. And our church will be praying too. I got there. I grabbed my pastor. I said, Pastor, I mean, I had tears. He goes, what is wrong? I said, I don't know what you're preaching tonight. But Logan's under heavy conviction. And he had this big old cheesy grin on his face. He goes, I'm glad you said that. He said, because I know exactly what I'm preaching on tonight. He preached on a convenient season that will never come. When he gave the altar call, I watched Logan get right on out of the aisle and walk right to the altar. I was gloriously saved. What a privilege to open the precious Word of God and share with your son you can escape the flames of hell. I know that heaven's your home. Listen, when God moves, you see, Brother Saunders, I, I want that for my son and I, I want that for my grandkids. Don't stop praying. Just keep on. Keep on. Set the right example. Stay in the Word of God. Keep praying. Amen. There's a reaping that's coming. And I want to see God move once again. Here's something else. Verse 6, he that goeth forth weepeth, bearing precious seed. I wrote 
reason. Reason for God to move is the precious Word of God. The Bible states in Luke 8, 11, the seed is the Word of God. You say, Brother Saunders, what does that mean? Listen, hey, those farmers, they take that seed and they're throwing it out. And they're throwing it. What happens if the seed stays in the barn? It rots. Nothing happens. What will happen to the West if missionaries don't get there in time? They will perish. Town after town. No independent Baptist church. Town after town. No independent Baptist church. Brother Saunders, what happens if preachers and missionaries don't go out west and preach the word of God? The seed will stay in the barn. They will perish for all eternity. Why have a mission conference? There's a reason. It's to get the word of God out there to those who've never heard. Last of all, when God moves, not only do I see revival, not only do I see the results not only do I see that there's a reaping and a reason, but here's something else. The Bible states here in verse 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with... Here it is, right there in the Word of God. There's rejoicing. Bringing his sheaves with him. I walked out there and I was looking at all the different prayer cards. How many missionaries does this church support? 30. 30 missionaries. They're all over the world. Bringing his sheaves with him. Why do, why do we do faith promise? Why do we have missions conferences? Because we want to see those people in the regions beyond hear the gospel and be gloriously saved. Do you know that every time a missionary leads one of them to Christ, it comes back to your account? Because you've been so faithful. When it's all said and done and we're in the sweet by and by, we're in the presence of God. Well, I can imagine some things might happen. You might have somebody that's black as night and all he speaks is French. He may walk up to you and say, Merci beaucoup. Thank you. Thank you for being faithful. Somebody from Asia... You know, the Asian customs, the lower the bow, the greater the honor. Somebody from one of those Asian countries might walk up to you and bow very, very low. Shishi, thank you. Thank you. I I'm here today enjoying heaven because you were faithful in your giving. I'd imagine somebody from one of those Spanish-speaking countries Hair black as night, brown skin, walk up to you and say, Gracias para todo. Thank you for everything. Thank you for everything. You say, well, what are we going to do? Listen, they're going to come from all nations. You know what we get to do? Together we get to lift up our voices in song and adoration and go before the King of glory and worship Him for all eternity, rejoicing that the Lamb was slain. He paid our sin debt. Boy, we're going to cast crowns at His feet. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb.
But until then, I want to see God move. What about you? Every head bowed, every eye closed. As the pianist goes to the piano. You're here tonight. See, Brother Saunders, I just want to see God move. I want revival. I want to be, I want to be part of that reaping. I want to see results. I want to see God do great things. This is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask Miss Robin to sing some song. And as she begins to sing, why don't you find a place in this altar right now and say, Oh God, I want to see you move. I want to see you move within my family, within my church, within, within my home, my marriage. Lord, I want to see you move. Lord, will you move right now within my heart? As God leads, why don't you find a place in the altar right now? People are moving. What about you? What about you? Listen, it's our country that's on the line. If God tarries His coming, I want to see God do great and mighty things. But it's going to take some people that are serious about it. They'll get on their face before an all-sovereign God and say, God, will you move once again? Lord, will you move once again? Lord, will it start right here within my heart? Oh, God, move. Oh, God, move. Did you, ask, did you ask that tonight? Did you ask that God would give you a burden? Have you ever wanted something so badly that nothing would satisfy that want? That's a burden. Did you ask that God would 
put that burden on your heart that we would see people walk the aisles and be saved. That, that it would be such a great burden that you would tell every opportunity you have someone about what Christ has done for you. That you would desire to see this community, this West Jackson community, conquered by the gospel because of the work of Houston Baptist Church. Did you ask God that tonight? Did you ask Him for that kind of burden? Did you say, Lord, let it begin in me? Father, let it start in my home, in my heart. Father, we thank you, God, for this night. Thank you, Lord, for your truths. Lord, we desire to see you move. We desire to see this community turned upside down by the gospel because of Houston Baptist Church. We desire, Lord, to see our homes converted to see our homes captured by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would not give us rest, but Father, that we would seek that, and Father, you would give us the burden. Lord, we thank you for your truths. Thank you for your man tonight. God, I pray that as we dismiss, that we would meditate on these things we think about what we truly desire and ask you to fulfill it. Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.